There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Now that I've told you, you're welcome to forget it right away and use the space that you have left over to chastise something. doesn't matter what. Hello? Are you listening to me? Everything is amazing. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hello. We're recording this on Monday the 8th of January. It will be available to you at the stroke of midnight on Tuesday the 9th. And um, the reason I mention this is I received an email today, the subject line of which was Happy New Year. In the subject line? Yes. Which okay. I think, had it been in the body of the email, Mm-mm. it's okay. But I think... Happy New Year in the subject line, a week on from New Year's mm. Day, once you're into a whole new week. Yeah, yeah. Feels... Feels a bit much to me. Even the main body would have to be, if it's not too late to say it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I do think there should be a strict rule. But one enforced. Yeah, you know, yeah. like with uh, Christmas, like people know they have to have the Christmas decorations down by a certain oh, point. Yes, yes, you're right. Otherwise, it's terribly bad luck. It could be terribly bad luck to say Happy New Year past, say, the 6th of January. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. I have a sort of running thing with my friend Dave where we it's how we greet each other. We see how who can who will blink first, how far we can get into the year. What's the furthest you've been? I think April. Whoa, yeah. okay. Yeah, something like that. Mm. Um, so I popped out this morning. Okay. Uh, I had to go and do a bit of work somewhere mm. for one of my various projects. And I saw a fella I do some work with. He is a similar body type to me. Okay. And... He'd lost some weight. Right. And I found myself feeling quite annoyed. Oh, really? For daring to lose weight? Really? I d- I, what I don't like is is when somebody... So I'm not a thin person. You're not fat either. You're not I, skinny. I, no, weight, goes, weight goes up and down. Weight okay. goes up and down is the t- truth of it. And if I see somebody a similar size to me, it makes me feel okay about myself. Right. But then if they start losing weight it's like they're leaving me behind did you mention it i said oh you you've you've lost some weight he went oh you have lost a bit of weight actually and i thought that's not what you do mm. you d- you deny it <laughs> unless you've been unwell Done it all unless wrong. you've been on but unless you've been unwell yeah. you have to say oh no do you think so not really it must just be what i'm wearing or whatever you, right. i think that's the thing to do in that situation yeah, yeah. you have to be dismissive if somebody <laughs> said you've lost weight the rules and then then i said 
God, I'm feeling so bad now because I've put on all this way. I mean, I just can't stop eating. And he said, no, you haven't. No. Oh, my God. Okay, that he is He didn't bad. agree. Right. But that's exactly what you should do. Say, no, you no. haven't. No. And that, that, no matter how much weight somebody has put on, mm. the rule is that you say to them, no, you, you look the same as you always do. Yeah, yeah. That's what you've always said to me. <laughs> like sometimes I've found it mystifying when I've realised that none of my clothes fit anymore. <laughs> and Annabelle's been telling me that I look exactly the same as I always do. You but, always look the same. But that's what, that's what you're supposed to say, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Irrespective of the fact that maybe, <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm damaging my own health with the <laughs> ways in which I'm gorging on food. Or maybe it's symptomatic of my mental health, um, the fact that my weight has ballooned. But you, you, what you're supposed to say as a good friend is like, no, you haven't put weight on. Well, I don't ever think you have put weight on. I mean, I'm not there with the tape measure every week and you do often wear a smock, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> I saw a picture of myself uh, um, a couple of days ago and I've number one, I've definitely definitely put weight on. I know this because my clothes don't fit, but I can okay. tell in this picture. Number two, I think my wife is right. I should not smile oh, God. in I, pictures. Your own wife telling you not to smile. She what she says is she says it about herself, which I don't agree. But she said her her words were, "I don't think a nice smile is either of our strong points." <laughs> no, nobody hasn't has got a bad smile. I mean, maybe Golden Brown, but like no, no, <laughs> nobody else has got every smile is a nice smile. Because I think I'm I'm at risk of turning into Victoria Beckham here. <laughs> Just pouting in all pictures. Oh dear. <laughs> the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift. Can you get with it yet? We'd love to hear from you. If you have a story of your own human ineptitude, then please email us hello at adriftpodcast.com and we do need your input here. We're turning up every week. Yeah, to do the podcast. Yeah, say turning up. I mean, I'm, I'm going up a flight of stairs, and I'm not there every week. But <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, but you know, we uh, we the cupboard's looking a little bare as far as is it. I'm guessing it is. I'm just saying this because when I was trying to work my way through the email while you were off, I couldn't make heads nor tails of it. Well, but... I'm getting back on top of things and going through everything. So very very slowly. But, but yes, it's always good to have loads more, please. please. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we'll run through some of the topics in a couple of minutes. But first. Chris writes, I had decided to have an early night. I unplugged the phone, switched off the TV, set the alarm on my bedside clock radio and headed for my pillow. As I lay there, I became slowly aware that I could hear music. I had to strain to hear it, but once I was aware of it, that's all I could hear. But I couldn't work out where it was coming from. I lay in the dark and tried to listen from which direction it was coming from. I had neighbours on both sides, but it was not quite loud enough to tell which way it was coming from, even when I listened at both walls. Two hours later, at 11.30, I was still lying awake. The music was still going. It sounded like someone had a radio on, but must have been loud for me to hear it in my flat. I listened at the wall furthest from me. There was definitely no noise coming up from that direction. It had to be my other neighbour. I pulled the covers up over my head and hoped it would stop soon. At 2am, I was still awake and still hearing the same noise. I pressed my ear up against the wall. The music wasn't any louder, but it had to be coming from him. There was no other alternative. I banged on the wall. The music kept playing. So I banged on the wall again and then again and again, but it was still no use. The music still stayed on. I got dressed quickly and headed outside and onto the communal walkway. I angrily pushed his door buzzer. 
As I waited, I noticed it was really odd that I couldn't hear the music from his front door. After a few moments buzzing his door buzzer repeatedly, I could make out a shape stumbling towards the front door through the frosty glass. Do you know what time it is? I blurted out as he opened the door. What? My neighbour looked confused. About two o'clock? Well then, I snapped and stormed off back to my flat. That had shown him. As I got back into bed, I noticed the music was still playing just loud enough for me to hear. That cheeky! I started. And then I noticed something. The light on my clock radio was on. Uh. I rolled over (laughs) and listened in disbelief, discovering it was my radio that had been on all along. Not loudly at all, but loud enough for me to just hear it from the other side of the bed. No wonder my neighbour looked confused. I had just woken him up and then shouted at him to ask the time for no particular reason. I avoided my neighbour from then on. (laughs) It's the only thing to do in that situation. I think I I wouldn't move house, to be honest. Tracy writes, Recently I visited Liverpool with my husband. As big Beatles fans, we did one of the Beatles tours, this time on an open-top bus. The tour guide made us aware that we needed to watch out for low-hanging trees and there was even a man from the council who had come to check the trees out. We sat on the top deck, fully exposed to the aforementioned foliage. When we got to Penny Lane, the bus stopped and everyone piled off to admire the road sign. By this stage, a huge leafy branch was hanging into the bus right where I was sitting. It occurred to me that when the bus started to move, the branch would hit the people sitting behind me. As the bus pulled away, my social inadequacies overcame me, so instead of speaking to the people behind to warn them about the branch, I decided to helpfully hold on to it and lift it over their heads. What I hadn't allowed for was the tension that was starting to build up in the branch as I was holding it and the bus was moving forward. As the bus increased in speed, I was caught up in the full horror of what was happening to the branch and the fact that no one behind was aware of this dilemma. Eventually, Gravity took over and the branch was whipped from my hand, ploughing at full speed into the people sitting behind. I spent the rest of the tour sheepishly hidden under my hood, not daring to turn round or make eye contact with the people behind. Oh, that's so good. Yes, lovely. And this is from Chris. I was walking through Soho when I saw a man coming towards me. I recognised his face, but just couldn't place him. He was on my side of the road and had seen me looking at him, so I had to say hello. Hello, mate. How are you? I shook his hand enthusiastically as I tried desperately to rack my brains to remember where I knew him from. Was it an office I used to work in? He wasn't dressed in office clothes, so I guess probably not. Are you uh, working back this way again? I asked, hoping his answer would give me some clue as to where I knew him from. I used to run a highly amateur open mic comedy night. Maybe I knew him from that. Maybe he was one of these so-called performers. I'm doing something with a theatre company down that way, he said. He pointed deeper down into Soho. A couple of the comedians had been actors. Maybe he'd broken through into serious acting. But there was something beginning to nag at me. I just couldn't place where I'd worked with him or knew him from. Then it hit me. I had never worked with him. He was an actor, an actor in the TV show Torchwood that I was watching on TV, (laughs) Bern Gorman. While I'd been trying to place him, he must have been doing the exact same thing, wondering where he had worked with me. That, or this happened a lot with fans and he was being extremely kind. Now I knew that I didn't in fact know him at all. I couldn't speak anymore. My brain had totally frozen. I panicked and all that came out of my mouth in a squeaky voice was, uh, uh, Torchwood, and then I ran away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that 
that's that's so good. That must happen all the time. Sure. I remember it happening to me once. I, I've had to write this down because I don't necessarily want to name the two people involved. Okay. Because do you th- think it's weird that people can be insulted if you say they look like somebody else? Yeah, yeah. And that that's what this story involves. Mm. But basically, we were doing the radio show one evening, and I saw somebody who'd been on the show a few times through the glass. <laughs> yes. So I very kind of excitedly beckoned her in and started chatting to her. Oh, About 10 God, seconds into the conversation, God. I realised it was a completely yeah. different person. I remember that's, this. That's who I'm talking about. I totally yeah. remember that. And I remember thinking, I didn't know that he knew this person. I didn't know they were such good friends. It was very bizarre. They do kind of look similar, though. A little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then I had to plough on. Mm. Plow on as if I'd done it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. It really wasn't good. No. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe that's one of the topics you can throw out, mistaking a famous person for somebody you know from real life. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just sort of um, awkward interactions with famous people. It's something we've done on the radio oh, before now. Definitely. Um, anything on the subject of like, oh, I meant well. Okay, yeah. You know, the thing with a branch, I think, would fall into that oh, category. Yeah. Um, and any occasions where you've plucked up the courage, you know, if you, if you are a timid person, if you plucked up the courage to get into some kind of confrontation, oh, like that first yeah. one with the neighbour, yeah, yeah, and it's gone awry, or maybe oh. you've been in the wrong and not wanting to back down or anything like that, as as well as our usual things of blurting things out, pretending to know what you're doing, shyness is nice, and so on. Um, we need stories, please. So if you've been sitting on one and you've been thinking, oh, I keep meaning to email it in, this week is the week to do it. Email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Jeff, Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Germans. Adrift. Annabelle, you have prepared a story. Yes, I want to talk to you about pain, which much like me and tennis, as I mentioned last week, I feel that I am particularly bad at. I know this as during labour, I caught two midwives rolling their eyes at me. You are kidding. Two, two, and two separate ones. Like not, not two rolling their eyes to each other. Two different occasions I saw a midwife rolling their <laughs> eyes at me. And their whole job is dealing with people, dealing with pain. <laughs> but I have to admit, I was someone who asked for an epidural before I was even in proper labour. I wasn't even one centimetre dilated and I was asking. And the midwife laughed at me and she said, you've got a very long way to go before it gets unbearable. <laughs> what thing to say, unbearable. <laughs> Don't worry though, this isn't going to be my childbirth story because I know that nobody wants to hear that i know this because i felt compelled to tell every single person who came to visit me in the month afterwards even though i could see clearly in their eyes they weren't interested didn't want to know but just had to do it but i've learned that people don't want to know and i'm terrible with pain and i mentioned last week that i had toothache at christmas and i remember at one point sobbing while saying to my boyfriend i could probably manage some mashed up baked beans while in tears so i know i'm pathetic (laughs) i know (laughs) <laughs> and did he mash up the baby's yeah, voice? Yeah, oh, yeah. that's so nice. I know. So it's lucky that I've so far been lucky, touch wood, not had to deal with very much pain. Before childbirth, my most painful moment was the time I fell down the gap in the tube between the carriage and the station platform. Yes. Which is something that I've never heard of anyone else doing. And despite living in London for 17 and a half years and using the tube most days of that, so that's around... 12,000 times and if my average journey is let's say six stops that's around 72,000 opportunities I've had to see someone make the same mistake and I never have 
So it seems that the endless mind the gap message works for everyone apart from me. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone do no, it? No, never. No. And Other people, you know, they take that on board. Well, that's another 72,000 times, and if not more. No, I know. In my defence, I was very tired and hungover and I was getting on at an unfamiliar station because I'd stayed at a friend's house. And the gap was particularly big. And I just, mid-just year, I stepped onto the tube, but then my feet weren't touching the carriage floor. I was falling. And then my hands were on the carriage floor. And I don't really know what my legs were doing as one of them just hurt so much. And then even though it's a half full tube, nobody comes to help me until eventually a man who must easily was in his 80s comes and pulls me out. And I somehow go and sit down. And I'm in so much pain, I'm close to fainting. But my primary sensation above this is acute embarrassment because I've just fallen down <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to pretend that everything is fine. I make it to my stop, I get off and I'm in so much pain that I have to lie down on the platform. And bear in mind, it's 10 o'clock on a weekday, 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's Oxford Circus tube platform. Not one single person stops to ask if I'm okay. Of course not, no. If any eminent psychologists want this story for a seminar or a book on the bystander (laughs) effect, be my guest. Anyway, there's no lasting damage, just a bit of scarring. I've just bashed it a bit and I almost faint, which says a lot about my ability to cope with pain. So the fact that I packed massage oils and aromatherapy oils in my hospital bag for labour is probably the most ridiculous thing that I've ever done. I would have laughed at them if I hadn't been in so much agony. And while I was in hospital, in labour, my parents, who were at my flat looking after the dog, they sent me a text message. I say my parents, it was my dad. Now, your parents are going to know you pretty well. They've known you for the longest anyway, haven't they? So they've seen me be pathetic with pain for 42 years now. So I'm in labour and I notice I've had a text message from my dad. It's quite early labour, so I'm still able to read, mm. but I've already asked for an epidural just to give you an idea of the stage I'm at. <laughs> but it seems like you asked for that on arrival. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. So I open the message as it's probably going to be some kind of you can do it type encouragement. You know, they're probably going out of their minds with worry. And I'm going to read it to you now from my phone just so I can see it again to confirm for myself this really did happen. Okay. Have you got any nutcrackers? They're not going out of their mind with worry. They're having some kind of nut party in my flat. And these aren't just ordinary nuts. They've really gone to town and got some unshelled nuts in. And they can't find any nutcrackers in my drawer. So perhaps I'm keeping them somewhere else. Where else would anyone keep nutcrackers? So why not just text me during labour to find out? I reply, no, we are too young to own nutcrackers. (laughs) (laughs) The response comes six and a quarter hours later. Okay. (laughs) I have to say, though, that when my dad came to visit me after it was all done, he came over to me, see me first and then the baby. So all was forgiven. And I do now own some nutcrackers as he went out to buy some and left me in the drawer. So there's your happy ending. If you know Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, you may also know that they're sick. Sick in a medium way. Very neutral. Neutral sick. Adrift. It's that bit of the podcast where we beg you for money. In other words, ask you to contribute via Patreon um, to try and keep the show on its feet. We're really enjoying doing it and we're super grateful that so many people are listening to it and we're still trying to figure out how to get it to pay for itself and um, and then beyond that, pay the mortgage or at least a portion of it. So if you do enjoy the show, if you'd be willing just to spare a little bit of money every month, then it's hugely appreciated. And there are a bunch of rewards 
on our Patreon page. Uh, details are on there that you get for different levels of support. So if you go to patreon.com stroke adrift, um, details are all on there of how you can chuck a little bit of cash our way and uh, and what you will get in return. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com stroke adrift. And this week we have done our first ever AMA, Ask Me Anything, based on the Reddit Ask Me Anything. So uh, this is for people who support us on Patreon, I think for $2 a month yep. or above. Yep. Um, Annabelle sent out a message asking uh, if, if there are any burning questions you would like us to ask, either about us or the show or just about life in general. And we have just recorded our first one of those. Mm. I think it's about an hour, more than an hour, an hour and a quarter long. Yeah. And we got through loads of questions. Um, I won't give you the answers, but topics involved. Is there such thing as free will? Yeah. Etiquette to do with posting baby photos on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um Drunk versus stoned from our old late night show. Um, what else? Tipping etiquette. Yeah. Indian restaurant recommendations, as well as some of the more um, obvious ones that you you might have expected people to want to know about the radio show and so on. So, if you sign up for Patreon, you will get access to to this kind of thing. Um, and as I say, we appreciate it hugely. Appreciate it. You spending time with us, giving us your ears for this hour or so every week. And if you enjoy it, if you think it's worthy of your time, it'd be great if you could spare just a little bit of cash as well. Go to patreon.com stroke adrift. Get with it. Get with it. Get with it. With, 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 get with it. Adrift. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. So I was on the bus this morning. I went up onto the top deck, as I do, because I'm a top deck kind of guy. Who isn't? Yeah. Some people. People, you know, with mobility issues, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, prams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I sat down, and the second I sat down, I realised that the person behind me was listening to music aloud, mm. as in not through headphones, but through the speaker on their phone. In 27 to 18, rather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 2018, wow, yeah. God. Now, the, the music itself was, was um, what... I don't know if they still call it. It's always struck me as quite a patronising name for it, but world music. Okay. In as much as any, anything that doesn't sound like sort of uh, well, right. pop music. I never right. thought that, that, that the world music is yeah, yeah. kind of a ridiculous title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at a guess, I would guess it was some kind of instrumental African music. Okay. Uh, and it was being played quite loud. But then part of me was thinking, well, I'm not going to look around and see, but maybe the person behind me who's listening to this music, that is music from their culture, and whatever their culture is, it's acceptable to sit there listening to this music aloud on public transport. Okay. So I don't want to get into it. Very tolerant of you. Yeah. Um, and and then, like a few stops later, the seat right at the front of the bus came free. Oh, the best seat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where you get to sit and, you know, pretend you're driving the bus. Yeah, yeah. So I moved, and then I became paranoid that to the person with the music, it looked like I'd moved because I wasn't enjoying their music, even though I wasn't enjoying their music. And it would have been quite the acceptable yes. thing for me to do to ask and, them to and, to, and to do that so that they know. Yeah. So I was sort of still trying to strain to hear it a little bit. And then trying <laughs> to were, nod, and nod my head a bit rhythmically. Pretending that like, I, I just really love the music still, but I just really wanted this scene. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's exactly oh, what I was trying yeah. to, to convey no. with the back of my head. <laughs> I can't 
can't believe you did that. I know. But uh, I think part of it was that I really got myself wrapped in knots mm. because I was trying to be culturally sensitive. Okay. So let's just contrast that with on Saturday night, oh, right. about 1.30 in the morning, mm. my wife and I uh, had gone to bed somewhat recently and the light was off. We'd finished watching whatever we were watching. Mm. And there was the sound of reveling coming from the street outside. Right. So I'm not talking about a house party a few doors down or anything like that. Yeah. I'm talking about people in the street talking and laughing loudly. Oh, okay. And she's, you know, Sarah is a, a, a light sleeper and she is not enjoying it at all. I don't love it, but I could probably nod off giving it. Right. And she's harumphing. So I think I'm going to go and look out the window. <laughs> right. I go and look out the window yeah. and I do it really carefully because I don't want them to see me yeah. in case, like, what if it's a gang? <laughs> And they attack attack my house. Right. What if they tag my house? Yeah, they might tag it. Yeah. So I look out the window and it's it it is what looks like a bunch of middle class kids. Oh. So I have no qualms at all about <laughs> opening the window and saying, Excuse me, can you guys go to the main road, please? There are people trying to sleep. You didn't. Yeah. They're so brave. Even well, no, this... but it's because it was a bunch right. of people who looked like me. <laughs> Like they wouldn't say boot to a goose. Oh, and, and what did they just go? Oh, sorry, sir. They went, oh, really, really sorry, really oh. sorry. We're just waiting for an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> and they dispersed not long afterwards. Right, right. But, you know, the the whole, I, I'm not unaware mm. of the layers of hypocrisy <laughs> and white guilt or whatever you want to yeah, call it yeah. therein. Um, so I thought I would ask for just a little bit of advice on that in this week's The Incident. <laughs> Aside from committing a cultural faux pas, my biggest fear with shushing is that it could end in a physical altercation. I sought the advice of comedian Richard Herring. My worry is that if I antagonise somebody in public and they went to fight me, I don't really trust myself to even know how to make a fist. Yeah, well, I didn't know. But it was in that instance, I was, you know, I was totally in the right and... Um very honourable, really, because well, I went apart from all my other motivations outside of the fight. It was the last day of the tour I've been doing, which was called Menage Un, which was all about the fact I'd never had a threesome and would like to have a threesome. Uh, and so I had a joke in the show about the best way to make that happen was to travel the country doing gigs and just hope that during the course of the, uh, <laughs> the tour, someone would make that dream come true. But it didn't work. Uh, but in, I, I deliberately put I, the last gig was in Liverpool, which I deliberately put in as a kind of safety net in case it hadn't happened anywhere else. And um, uh, and at the end of this gig, these two, these three like student girls, I was thirty nine, and these three girls in their early twenties said, "Oh, would you like to come for a drink with us?" Very flirtatiously. And that you know hardly ever happens. A, if, you know, a you're usually going home from gigs. But B, you know, and certainly now it's, it doesn't happen. But you know, even even at the, even when I was single, and it was quite a rarity that you would even meet anyone you'd want to talk to after a gig. You'd end up just going back to the hotel on your own. So it was just kind of extraordinary. These three girls <laughs> were saying, "Hey, come and have a drink." So we went and had a drink, and then we, it was a very packed bar. And then these other guys arrived, and they and they um, sort of had to sit at the same table as us. But they were really nerdy guys, and they were like students, and they were this bar. They were like math students. Um, but one of the guys started chatting up one of the girls, and that was sort of quite fair enough. One of them, he tried to chat up two of the girls, and then one of the girls kind of walked away. One of the girls talked to him for a while. Uh, but the girl I was talking to and getting on very well with was kind of annoyed by him, didn't like him. Right. <laughs> and he, after half an hour, he started handing him. Well, he was sort of in that presumptuous thing that you, when you're drunk or when some people are drunk, they, I, I could never do that. I could never drunkenly go into a bar and start chatting someone up, you know, mm-hmm. and certainly at another table. 
Uh, so there's that kind of weird presumption to that. Um, and this girl kind of was humouring, really. It wasn't being schooling. But he handed her a business card and she handed it around the table, you know, like sarcastically to him. Right, right. And then, then it got to the girl I was sitting with and she started ripping up the just ripping up and flicking it back at him because she didn't like him. So everyone was just drunk. And then he was, I mean, he just suddenly went from nothing to, he was quite, being quite gentle and suddenly became furiously angry. And so anyway, he started to try and attack this girl. And, and I was, you know, I was sort of drunk enough that I was really angry and, and affronted on their behalf because I thought that even though she sort of been weird, but she, that, that wasn't, her, that hadn't been a deserved response. Yeah. Uh, and then anyway, I can't, but I was still interested, you know, we were sort of, getting on very well and so I was thinking that great then we went out of the the bar a few you know half an hour later it shut and I was like okay what's going to happen now this is exciting but the guy and his mates were waiting outside and he sort of launched in and tried to hit her again and then punched me uh, and usually I would you know and I hadn't done anything at all and so usually I would have walked away at any other time but I think because of this it was this sort of heady mixture of I was a month off turning 40 I was sort of drunk it was we had there was these you know younger women involved in it. It was this sort of very midlife crisis yeah. moment, uh, and you know I was I was in this sort of crisis of what where's my life going and I'm and I'm going to be forty and and so just something kind of overtook me and I didn't you know without even thinking I kind of was so angry with him for what he'd done um, that I kind of just went for him without thinking about it and it was only when I sort of got to where that I had that realization. But I've never been in a fight and have no idea how to fight and no idea how to make a fist. And we sort of had this pathetic. But like, he was a university lecturer. That was the kind of weird thing about it. So he, was, he wasn't like a hard man. Right. He was quite. He was tall and quite wiry, and I'm short and stocky. And we were just, I was sort of windmilling around trying to hit him and not really making any contact. And <laughs> and he was similarly bad at fighting. Luckily, so it was this very surreal fight. Kind of a middle class comedian and a university lecturer brawling in the street. And uh, then I kind of. I quickly realized I wasn't going to be able to punch him because he was too high up in the air. Yeah. So I just thought, started trying to pummel him in the balls. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then he's kicked me in the bollocks and then my shirt got ripped off. And it honestly felt like it went on for like an hour, this fight, but it yeah. was 30 seconds long. And um, oh, the girls were all like apologetic. And, then I was, and I was so humiliated by what I'd done. I kind of just got in the cab and they were trying to get in the cab. And I said, no, leave me alone. I'm going back to the hotel. And, I, you know, he kicked me quite badly in the balls. I was in a bit of pain. Uh, and uh, and then the cab driver had seen the whole thing. This Liverpool Pudding cab driver turned to me and said, that was the funniest fight I've ever seen. In summary, then, like, should I be yes. more aggressive in my shushing because a physical fight is nothing to be afraid of? <laughs> no, I think it's, well, I, aside from, I think, one time you should punch someone. But choose your choose your victim um, carefully. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If you're insightful and aligned with this vision, you might be ready for the next phase. 
Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Adrift. Annabelle and her lover, Tom, and little baby Rudy came round yesterday. You left Rusty Scruff, the teddy bear king. He's firm but fair at home. Yeah, now we've got a baby. He's very much second place. <laughs> like there, there, are, there are a long list of reasons I won't bore you with why he stayed at home. Um, but your lover, Tom, did, did the nicest thing. So I guess the last time you were around here, Sarah had baked a cake. Um, no, you brought one round when you first came to visit Rudy. Oh, is yeah, that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we brought a cake round mm. in, in a in a pie dish of ours. Yeah. Uh, so knowing that he needed to return it and knowing he was coming round yesterday, he, he baked a cake specially. He returned it with a cake in it. <laughs> I think that reflects so well on the man. It's nice, wasn't it? Yeah. Really, really lovely gesture and uh, really lovely cake as well. I was forbidden from cooking yesterday. Yes, I know you were going to do an elaborate Indian buffet, but your wife said no. Because I get myself into such a tizzy when you come round. You you have um, a big legal yellow pad and on it there's a very long list of instructions and times. You, like, you're very, very precise, which surprises me because in some other areas of life you're very chaotic. Mm, yeah. But I really, I really want to go out to impress oh. when you come round for lunch. Well, it's always amazing. Um and and I always plan these elaborate feasts, mm. and my wife said it ruins the whole day because you're so, too stressed. Because I'm too stressed, oh. and it takes up all the time, oh. and uh, you know, so so I wasn't allowed to cook, so she she cooked mm. instead, which was very nice. It was, it was fine. It was, <laughs> it was very nice. <laughs> no, it was. It was. Um, but while you while you were over, mm. like I feel something went quite badly wrong. Oh. Um, specifically between me and, and Tom. Oh, what happened? I don't remember. It's one of these things in life. I think everybody can relate to it. It's when you've seen something on YouTube. Right. That you then want to show to somebody. Okay. But then it, it sort of collapses under the pressure or you pick the wrong moment in a social occasion. So we've been saying over, I've been telling him about the Jerry Seinfeld comedians in cars getting coffee oh, over yeah. lunch. Mm. And he said, oh, I'd like to see that. And instead of just, thinking oh he'll probably go away and watch that in mm. his own time yeah yeah i then sort of made a point of hurrying us all into the living room <laughs> and put it on the tv and bearing in mind that we've got a 20 month old baby and you've got a three month old baby there are distractions yeah yeah and it was just one of those awful moments where you put a video on the telly oh and you want everybody to be looking at it but really nobody's looking oh, at yeah, it. oh yes so i just, think i changed a nappy didn't i it so oh sorry sorry that's one of the one of the worst things is trying to show, trying to gauge when to show somebody else an online video. Oh, it's very hard. I've, I think I've said before, I've thought about giving up on even recommending things to people, but the pressure, I feel that I am an awful person to watch something with because I'm like a puppy looking over for approval the whole time, <laughs> trying to gauge whether the other person is enjoying it or not. And obviously you want to look like you're enjoying it. Yeah. Well, any decent person would. The other thing while you're over is sort of I made, the, made a point of offering to hold the baby mm. while everybody else ate. Because yeah. Rudy's one of these babies who who uh, you can't just like put him down on an activity mat. He needs no. to be held at all times. Yeah, yeah. And do you know why I was doing that? <laughs> to, to, to show that you're the baby whisperer. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of to show that a baby whisperer. And also <laughs> I wanted to be perceived as a hero. Right. So you all started your food and about halfway yes, through, either you, you or Tom said, look, Jeff, you, you sit and uh, eat something. It was getting you? cold. Yeah. And I... Even though I was like so hungry and really wanted to eat that yeah, food, yeah. it was more important to me to be perceived as this really great guy <laughs> who would just hold the baby yeah. and give these new parents a bit of a break yeah. uh, than, than it was to me to eat my 
warm food. Yeah, you did look like a hero. Thank you. Yeah, That's what yeah. I was going for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's coming for you. Jeff Lloyd, <laughs> Annabelle Port. Can you believe they just did that? Adrift. Just a gentle reminder that if you haven't already introduced anybody to the podcast, and I know this is likely to end in failure, but if you haven't tried, why not give it a try? You know, um, it would be greatly appreciated. A kind of pyramid scheme for listeners would be good, wouldn't it? Ooh, pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even quite sure how a pyramid scheme works. No idea. But if we do get one going, I, I very much would like to be at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> um, Tupperware parties basically were pyramid schemes, weren't they? Really? I think so. Or or were they basically wife-swapping parties? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't think they were. No, I think you were getting I think confused. It was one or the other. No, oh, maybe not. <laughs> um Usually in this section we'd be doing Annabelle's um, assignment, but as we mentioned last week, that's uh, that's off the table for a while because of being a new mother mm. and we haven't come up with anything to replace it. However, I was talking to my wife the other day and a story came back to me. It's not much of a story, but it's so weird I thought I would share it. Oh, go on. We were talking about um, aspiration mm. as a teenager and, and basically uh, about how when I was growing up, I know this makes me sound ancient, but not that many people really went to university. And you wouldn't be like these days where you'd have a big dream of being a pop star or whatever. You'd just sort of think, oh, when I'm 16, my dad will probably know someone who needs an apprentice and I'll go and get a job there. And that was how it was for most people okay. in terms of like careers and ambitions and stuff. There wasn't very much of it about back then. And um, I was talking about when I was... 13, I think, we had something called VNS studies at school, which was vocational and social studies, okay. which I think replaced RE. Oh. And part of that was going to see a careers advisor. Oh, yeah. And the careers, careers advisor had like a little index card system of jobs that they would match you up with. I remember that index card system. According to your interests. Yeah. So I remember going, uh, remember going and talking to him and my big interest was music. You know, I played piano. I love listening to the radio and listen to music and so on. And I remember, and I was thinking about how these days, if you're interested in music, people would be like, oh, you've got to follow your dream. You've got to go on the X Factor or whatever. <laughs> so I remember telling him, that I was really interested in music and I'd like to do something with music. So he gets his little file system and he sifts through it. He pulls out a card and basically he suggests that I should join the army. <laughs> because because they have military bands in the army. Oh, okay, okay, right. But, I mean, still. But just as, as a kid, like where oh. I grew up and when I grew up, if you're interested in music, as far as the careers um, teacher was concerned, like, oh, join the army then, which then got me wondering, like, how many of those cards in that file index system <laughs> led to joining the army? Yeah. Like, how much of it really was just like a recruitment system yes. to get people to join <laughs> the army? So, uh, you know, I don't really have anything more on that, but it just struck me as an odd story. And that was our podcast. Thanks for downloading. And let's see if we can get this pyramid scheme thing going. Let's see if you can find somebody else to listen and subscribe to Adrift. If you can't, next best thing is to rate and review us on iTunes, if you haven't already. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and for Emily Harrison 
for the incidental music during the incident and giving me advice this week was the brilliant Richard Herring. Richard has so many different projects on the go at any one time, including his fantastic Leicester Square Theatre podcast. The best thing you can do to find out what he's up to and support it and consume it is by following him on Twitter. Thanks to Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox for being our announcers and providing our iDents. Thanks to Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu for technical support. Kim Rainey designed our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Thanks to you if you're a Patreon supporter and if you're not yet supporting us on Patreon, if you could just spare a little bit starting at one US dollar a month it's so gratefully received if you're willing just to um, give us a little bit of money for the time you spend with us every week go to patreon.com stroke adrift that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n and finally thanks to Annabelle's parents for buying of those nutcrackers Adrift. On to the podication. This comes from Sarah Dudley, who says, Ahoy there, drifters. Ahoy. Ahoy Ah, I've written this email about 100 times in my head, but when it comes to putting pen to paper or thumb to phone keyboard, I can't think of a decent way to start. I know that feeling. Mm, Difficult. Um, But I'm hoping the awkwardness with which I write, will be familiar to your listeners and they'll have pity for me. I also assume Annabelle's kick-ass editing skills will render this shorter, more interesting and more usable for you. Let me tell you something. There's only a little bit of black pyro on this piece of paper. Back in episode 10, I was astounded to have my friend Duncan podicate the episode to me. Astounded because I'd never had a podication before. And also because Duncan and I only knew each other briefly before he up sticks from Woking and moved to the Dorset coast. Is that the Jurassic coast? It is, yeah. Fortunately, before he moved, we friended on Facebook and with delight, we have discovered we share a lot of the same interests. Far too geeky to reveal here. Now, me too because i mean this podcast is the low <laughs> like anything about anything else is less embarrassing than this presumably Surely. Uh, anyway you may remember he podicated the show to me as a preemptive thank you as i'd offered to bloodicate my next blood donation on his behalf as he is unable to give blood but was a recipient of blood after an accident many years back Whilst I was humbled by the massive effort he'd made to thank me by writing to you, I was also pretty peeved. Why, I hear you ask? Because ever since we'd had the exchange on Facebook regarding my bloodication, I'd been mentally planning to announce my bloodication to him. Oh. Through a podication on a drift and he beat me to it. Mm. Now all I have to give is my unoriginality in podications. Well, and a pint of blood too. Um, anyway, I'm donating my 11th pint of blood, all going well, next Thursday, the 11th of January, and I am bloodicating it on behalf of Duncan Rogers. <laughs> I love bloodicate. It is good. I mean, it's good, but it turns, turns, it makes me feel a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry about all the mentions of blood. I know Jeff's not too keen on the idea. <laughs> You're right, you go. I'm going a bit lightheaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just watched this thing on Netflix called The Sinner. Did you oh, watch the first episode? No, no, I'm going to, yeah. What did you watch last night? Uh, Black Mirror. 
Oh, which episode? Uh, I've watched the first three now. How are you finding it? Yeah, really enjoying it. Um, I'll ask you when you've watched all of them, which your favourites okay. were and so on. But anyway, there's too many scenes of injecting heroin. I just really struggle. Okay, yeah. Can't look at them, like looking through my fingers on the screen. Uh, sorry about all the mentions. Blah, blah, blah. Incidentally, one of the few times I had an email read on national radio was in response to Jeff talking about blood donations when I said I like to wear my plaster for longer than they recommend so that I can have that smug sensation of superior superiority over everyone else for longer this may now seem like i'm obsessed but i promise there's more to me than donating blood honestly i feel like i need a biscuit after all this <laughs> talk of other people donating biscuit. blood um sarah dudley p.s i am a patreon but have yet to receive a title i went for a bare minimum payment sorry but i don't have an income of my own as i'm a stay-at-home mum that's so lovely of you. If, if oh, really, you don't have an income, yeah. it's making me feel guilty that you're, you're doing that. But thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know how these things work, but seeing as I'm already an honorary doctor bestowed on me by a village elder in Kenya. Oh, true story. great. That's great. I thought maybe I could be a knight. Sir Sarah, Dame is lame. Thank <laughs> you. Dame is lame. Absolutely, you can be a knight, Sir Sarah. Sir Sarah. Very happy with that. So Sarah of Dudley. Yep. Although I don't think you're of Dudley. I think it's just your surname. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Do what you want. Yeah. It's not real. Uh, <laughs> it's real. You're going to write it down somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real to that extent, yeah. So there we go. The latest edition of the uh, podcast is Bloodicated. Mm. Here we go again. Whoa. I, I genuinely feel dizzy to, to Duncan Rogers. If you'd like an episode podicating to you, then we would like to do that for you. Really easy. Just write in an email. It can be for yourself. It can be for someone else. Whatever you prefer. Um, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. And um, and there we go. We're done. Yep. I'll say that email address again. Because a surprising amount of people will tweet me, say, could you tell me the email address again? Oh. And I think just press rewind. <laughs> it's a hassle. You're right. You're right. In fact, Sarah might have tweeted me now that I think on. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Another podcast next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.